Good afternoon and welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Mary Catherine Carmichael, hosting solo this afternoon. Bob Salzberg is out of town, which is uh, possibly just as well because it's our gardening program and we're happy to welcome Helen May. I, I say it's just as well only because Helen and I seldom let Bob get a word in edgewise on this show. So uh, if he had to pick a week to be out of town, this is probably the good one to pick. Uh, welcome, Helen. Thank, Thank you for you. being here. I'm very happy to be here. I'm going to waste no time in giving out our phone numbers and email address because we get so many people who want to partake of your wisdom uh, about all things green and growing or potentially green and growing. Um, our phone number here at the studio is 855-0811. Our uh, long-distance uh, toll-free number is 877-285-9348. And our email address is noon at indiana.edu. And I'll go ahead and give those one more time for you. 855-0811, toll-free 877-285-9348, and noon edition, I'm sorry, noon at indiana.edu. Probably make it easier if I got it right, huh? <laughs> well, welcome. We're so glad to have you here. This has been such an early spring. It's been a very unusual spring. It's been nice, but uh, unusual. Well, I'm actually glad to have you confirm that because, I, you know, I never write anything down as far as, you know, what comes up when. But it just seemed like, oh, my gosh, the magnolias are in bloom. It's still March. Uh, this seems just uh, terrifically unusual after a, a mostly mild winter with kind of a, a big crescendo there at the end. and. Then uh, back to back to spring all of a sudden. Well, we've already had one email come in, so let's go ahead and, okay. and jump right in if we if we can. Uh, it says, "I've seen TV ads for instant gardens that you just roll out water and beautiful flowers will grow. Do these really work, or is it too good to be true?" Well, usually, if you're careful, it will work. Uh, you need to prepare a nice seed bed to roll it out on. Right, you can't uh, roll it out over bluegrass. No, nor just old lumpy bare soil. You need to prepare, clean out the weeds and so forth. You need to spread it out and be sure it's in good contact with the soil. Uh, and I uh, I think the most important thing then is even watering. Mm-hmm. It needs to be moist. Once the seeds start to germinate, if they dry up even once before they make good contact with the soil so they can pick up water, then you lose most of them. Mm-hmm. But uh, if you follow the directions carefully uh, and make their proper preparations, very often they work quite well. It's kind of an expensive way to uh, get a flower bed going, but it's uh, an easy way. Okay. We should say that Helen is uh, the one of the owners of, of May's Greenhouse, and you come from a long line of green thumbs. When, when did your family start the business? Well, uh, we officially opened up in 1965. Uh, We'd been interested in gardening for many years before that, but uh, my father wanted to build a small business to retire to uh, because his his current job was very demanding physically, Mm -hmm. and uh, I was not too happy where I was working, and uh, we decided to give it a try. And it worked out. And you've always been in the same location on South Walnut? Yes, always. Always. Ever ever since uh, we opened. Well, I I know that a a trip to Mays in the spring is is kind of a rite of of spring for for many people in in this area. So it's uh, wonderful to have you here, and thanks for coming back. Oh, I'm very happy to be here. Well, there are a lot of issues about gardening at this time of year. Let's go ahead and, and get started on some of those. Some of us are a little surprised to see our perennials already coming up and, and really looking good. Um, there's a little bit of cold weather yet in the forecast. So what kind of precautions and, and what things do you think are particularly tender that we need to be uh, concerned about and maybe make an effort to um, protect at some point? Well, it's, uh, of course, quite early for some of the things. Uh, There's really not much you can do to protect your flowering trees if they're of any size. Mm -hmm. Uh, Flowering shrubs, if you have uh, old sheets or something to throw over them, uh, that will offer protection from just frost. Mm -hmm. Now, it's possible this early that we get another freeze or two. And in that case, uh, there's going to be some real damage done Mm -hmm. because everything's ahead of its normal season. Uh, With perennials, again, 
if they're making a lot of tender new growth, particularly if they're forming flower buds, you can protect them by covering them with cloth, mm-hmm. cardboard, straw. Um, if you cover them with plastic, it needs to be tented up so that it doesn't actually touch them because the cold will go right through it. Mm-hmm. What you need to do is trap some air in there between. Um, some plants won't be harmed, but the flowers will be. Things like strawberries, um, of course, they're not blooming yet, mm-hmm. not wood, uh, that they <laughs> yeah. won't be before something nasty happens. It's quite common for strawberries to need protection in a normal season when they start blooming. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, the daffodils have all come on. Uh, the early ones are already fading. The mid-season ones are in full flower, and normally that would be a little later. Mm-hmm. And uh, the late ones are starting to open blooms here and there. Uh, those, a little frost won't hurt. Uh, there are several perennials that are pretty tough um, in the spring when they haven't grown too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, the main danger this spring will be if they have advanced too far and get a hard freeze. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that case, all you can do is trim back the damaged portion and uh, hope they'll grow out again. Most of them will. Now, I lost all of my foxgloves this winter, oh. and normally they, they winter fine for me where they are. Mm-hmm. But they had gotten so lush in January that then we got real cold, mm-hmm. and they are wiped out. Oh, that's a shame. Mm-hmm. So a cloth covering won't transfer the cold the way a plastic covering right. will. Right, right. Okay. Cloth is uh, cardboard, even dry newspaper, but you, it's hard to keep it in place. Hard to keep that, you know? yeah, you really uh-huh. need to hold that down. A straw works, but then it's a mess to clean up. Yeah. Um, but um, I don't think that the roses are far enough along that a freeze would do them much damage. Okay. Well, we've got a couple of callers on the mm-hmm. line. Let's go ahead and, and get to those. Let's begin with Virginia. Hi, Virginia. Yes, hello. Um, I was um, wondering, is there any place to get um, compost in bags? Because um, I'm always reading that, you know, put lots of compost in your garden to enrich the soil, and I never see individual bags marked just compost. All I see is composted manure or... Organic peat, but well, that's a great question, Virginia. That is mostly what you will find is something that has been composted, like manure, and it, of course, originally contained straw and a number of other things, and it's broken down and rotted. Um, it would be nice if you had lots of compost, homemade, but. Uh, you're not going to find it in very many places, just in a bag labeled. Uh, you might try someplace like Worms Way. Um, you might try down at uh, Good Earth. Is that the right one? That's not the one. Uh, the folks down on 37 that sell compost mm-hmm. and bark mulch, they might have just some compost you could get. And I think it's it's... Good Earth, is, mm. is that the name of it? I'm sorry, I don't know. I, I should know. know. I well, mean, 30, 30 years I've known, but I've, for a month, I've <laughs> maybe got it'll a, come back to I've us. I've got a, a blank spot here. <laughs> but anyway, um, I think if if you can find just uh, composted manure or uh, good quality peat moss, either one will work well for you. Oh, okay. Well, that's what I've been doing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it'll do basically the same job. And when you put them in, is it like a one-to-one ratio on my mostly clay soil? You put in put if, in like equal amounts of each. If you've got a loamy clay, you probably would add a third. If you've got a really tight hard clay, you should add not only uh, some compost but some sand probably, or something like turfus, which is a soil conditioner. Uh, it looks kind of like uh, the old-fashioned bricky kind of kitty litter. Oh, yeah. It's expanded mm-hmm. clay, I think, that's been baked, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, either of those would also be necessary. If you just mix compost with really tight clay, it's not going to help much. 
you also need some bigger, coarser structure in there. So you have some drainage. Yeah, some sand or right. some something like turfus, yeah. You can also buy bark soil conditioners if you have really heavy clay, which is in very small pieces, and it seems to work quite well. If it's really tight, heavy clay, yeah, the more the merrier. Uh, just put in as much as you think you can manage. Anything can else? Oh, pardon me. Anything else, Virginia? Okay. Well, I don't want to take up more time, but I appreciate the help. Thank oh, you very much. Great. Thanks for calling. Uh, if you'd like to call in, the number is 855-0811. With your gardening question, toll-free 877-285-9348 or noon at indiana.edu. I want to get back to the compost question, but let's go on to Jocelyn. She's been holding. Hi, Jocelyn. Hello. Thank you. Um, by the way, Helen, it is good earth on Empire Mill good, Road. Good for you. God Thank bless you. Okay. I, I have these blank spots sometimes. No, you weren't <laughs> blank. Um, I have a Siberian iris, and it's uh, spreading quite a bit, and I want to uh, separate it out and, and give some to a friend of mine. Uh, what is the time of year I do that, and, and how do I do it? The ideal time on Siberian iris would be early fall, say September or something like that. Uh-huh. However, it is an extremely tough and vigorous plant. And if you just want to take a spade and dig a hunk of it out and pass it on, it will survive and your old clump will also. Good. And uh, I can, could I do that now? Sooner the better. Okay, that's lovely. And I have another question. Um, I have a big uh, fern. I think it's a Boston fern. It's been in my sunroom for um, many years, and it's. Um, I just water it a lot, um, but now it seems to be dropping a lot of its um, little uh, side leaves on the on the farms. So. Um, does that need fertilizer? I've never fertilized it. It probably would, if it's been in the same pot for many years, yeah, well, probably yeah. would appreciate a light application of some soluble, water-soluble fertilizer like miracle Grow uh-huh. uh, or whatever brand you yeah, like to use. Um, the main thing with a big old fern like that is it may be very, very pot-bound. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, it will be hungry. And if it ever gets really dry in the center, it will be hard to get it wet again. Uh-huh. So when you water, uh, let the water stand in the saucer if any accumulates there for, oh, five or ten minutes at the most. But oh. that will give it a chance to soak up a little and then drain any excess out. Very often an old plant like that that's really pot bound the water will run down the side between the pot and the root ball yeah, right. yeah. well it, it is uh, it does stay in the bottom actually mm-hmm. it stays in the bottom longer than that sometimes it stays overnight well as long as it doesn't sit in there very long because okay. ferns don't tolerate that very well uh, is, should I uh, should I move it into a different pot you might check if is it big enough that, or too big for you to handle very well no, uh, well uh, I can handle it. It's, it's pretty big. but Well, if you could turn it out and see if it's just really a hard, hard, hard ball of roots, uh-huh. it may be that uh, the edges of the roots should be loosened a little and it should be moved into a bigger pot. Uh, or it could be broken up and moved into several smaller pots. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I we, bet it's a lot happier after that. Uh, and then what kind of soil does it need? Just a good quality potting soil. It's okay. rather coarse and porous. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, all right. Well, thank you very much. You're welcome. I do appreciate it, and I love your program. Oh, thank you for calling, Dawson. We appreciate it. Bye. You know those big those ferns? They get so big. I've had to name a few of mine. <laughs> <laughs> I set them outside in the shade in the summer mm-hmm. and just let them go to town, and uh, they get very happy. Yes. They, a little too happy, actually. They they like the increased humidity mm-hmm. outside and the fact that the water washes through them and, and cleans them. When they begin to drop a lot of foliage like that, you should get in there and clean out. You may have to cut out some old fronds mm-hmm. that are beginning to look kind of tired uh, because it will break new ones from the root ball itself. So, right. uh, 
That's why I like to drag them outside. Yeah. I could make a big mess in it. And it's it easier is a, to clean up. It is a big mess to clean up a big old fern, yes. It really is. Mm-hmm. Well, we have another caller. Let's go on to Janetta. Hi, Janetta. Hi. Go right ahead with your question for Helen. Okay. Um, last year I read about a mint that could be planted, and if you walk on it, it just makes it even more hardy, and it's kind of like a ground cover. And when you do step on it, it releases that minty smell. Um, I didn't write down the name of it, and I was wondering if you uh, know what it is called and if you sell any of that well i'm i'm not certain what meant it might is there is one that grows uh that is very small grows very close to the ground and i'm trying to think of its latin name it seems to me it's something like requiem or requiem or they would know down at the greenhouse if you'd like to call okay and talk to the uh, uh the perennial person Right. Yeah. And and is that something that will grow in full sun? No. It's Most not. mints, unless they are, they will, they will grow in the full sun. But one that small would have to be fairly moist. It it wouldn't do in a really dry situation. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, what I was wanting to put it around, I uh, planted some spring bulbs. And I was wanting to get some kind of ground cover that would be hardy um, around it, and it's okay if it's walked on or whatever, and wouldn't get too big and tall and take over. Well, uh, it will depend somewhat on uh, how much foot traffic it would have to take. It's just if uh, children walk through it every once in a while, it's not a lot. Well, there are probably some things that, uh, that you could use in addition to the mint. Um, Myrtle will take a certain amount of foot traffic, but uh, not every day, you know, mm-hmm. not is a regular Myrtle, path. Is that also called Vinca? Yeah, Vinca Minor. Yeah, and that has the pretty purple blooms right They're now. They're blooming right now, Yeah, yes. darling in the spring. It is evergreen. It'll build up about uh, six inches, sometimes eight inches high if it's really got enough moisture and everything. Okay. Um, and there's... Um, a juga, but that would need quite a lot of moisture. It holds pretty close to the ground. Uh, again, you might ask someone at a nursery where you go okay. to show you the various kinds of ground covers they have. Is a juca the kind um, of purplish leaf? Uh, you can get it in a purple leaf or a variegated leaf, okay. or you can get it in a plain green leaf. Most people go for the little bit showier kinds. Yeah, yeah. There are also some uh, sedums which uh, you might want to look at. Uh, They make pretty heavy growth, but they would thrive in the sun, and they will take light, and I do mean light, foot traffic. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thanks for your call, Jeanette. (laughs) Well, you know, let's do just a little bit of Gardening 101 for folks who may be browsing the seed packets right now and looking at that map that they have on the back of the seed packets. And, and I always, ours is a little bit hard to read sometimes because we, it, when you look at that map, it's a little unclear which zone we're in. Could you clear that up for everybody? Well, we're in zone five. Um, I think zone five is divided into A and B, but I couldn't swear to that. But we're sort of in the southern part of Zone 5, <laughs> that helps you out. Anyway. Okay. Uh, and actually, at this time of year, uh, there are some things you could sow directly into the soil. Um, and then there are some things like zinnias that you should not sow until uh, around Mother's Day when the mm-hmm. soil has really warmed up and is in good condition. So uh, do uh, pay attention to their recommendations as far as sowing dates. And if you are in doubt, uh, you can consult a, uh, you know, whoever sold you the seed. They should Mm -hmm. be able to give you some direction on that. But uh, some of the hardier things are uh, pansies. It's it's really getting almost too late to sow those. Violas, snapdragons, uh, poppies should go in very early if you're sowing from seed. Larkspur. Hmm. Uh, you probably could sow uh, uh, Love in a Mist and probably half a dozen other things. But the main lot of things to sow, you probably want to put off till the second half of April or even early May um, if you're sowing directly in the soil. Right. 
excuse me. But people can always have the option at this time of year. It's nice. You can always be, start things inside. Is it early? Yes, is it still early enough to do that, to start in the little uh, peat pots? For or? some things, yes. Um, it's As I said, it's, you're getting a little late to start pansies, period, because mm-hmm. by the time they're blooming, the hot weather will come, and they don't like that. No, they sure uh, don't. No. All right. Well, we've got a couple callers we need to get to, and okay. we're fast approaching the halfway point in the show, if you can imagine that. So let's get right to Lewis. Hi, Lewis. Okay, we need you to turn down your radio, please. Let's get right to Lewis. Hi, Lewis. Yes, hello. Hi, Lewis. Yeah. Go ahead. We need you to turn down your radio, please. Okay. Uh, Okay. Uh, I have a a fairly old and tall lilac bush in my backyard. Oh, it's 16 feet tall, perhaps, and maybe two or three main stems to it. And uh, it also has a hundred little uh, springs around the bottom. Well, how do I? What do I do to care for this, please? Well, the springs around the bottom are called suckers. Mm-hmm. They need to be thinned out. Okay. Uh, if you have dozens and dozens, yeah. what you need to do is select uh, maybe two or three or four each season and let them grow. Select them, you know, fairly spaced out, and cut all the others off. Yeah. Uh, and when those suckers, uh, say the ones you leave this year, are another two or three years old and show signs of wanting to bloom, then you should uh, have some more little guys starting up, another just four or five or six. And then you need to look at the old canes, the old uh, branches. Yeah. And if they are beginning to not flower well, if they are full of borer holes or covered with scale or something. Yeah. Well, you, I get blossoms up about 12 feet, up to 16 feet up right. high where I can't get to them. <laughs> what, what you need to do to control the height of lilacs, mm-hmm. uh, if they're that high, it's you can't really do anything about those. But the young branches that you do allow to grow to fill the bush out, yes. top those at various heights, right. and they will branch. Then each branch that produces a bloom on the end, as soon as flowering is over, you can cut that branch back to a good strong pair of leaves and that way control the height. And you trim it back. Yes. As soon as it blooms, if it's getting a little too tall, cut it back above a good strong pair of leaves. And that next will branch this summer and produce next summer's blooms. Ah, yes. So you need to prune it a little every spring to control height, and also you need to thin the suckers to develop a nice full shrub that isn't overcrowded. And eventually the oldest uh, branches will have to be cut out to the ground. But by that time you will have young growth replacing it. Oh, yeah. Very good. Well, thank you for your call, Lewis. Sure, thank you. All right. Before we go to break, we'll go ahead and get to Pat. Hi, Pat. Hi. Go right ahead. Um, uh, The person who asked about the low ground cover, I think I read somewhere that there was a variety of time, maybe called creeping time. Mm -hmm. Is that a possibility? Yes, there are a lot of kinds of thyme, and probably would work better than the mint because it's easier to control its growth. It'll smell good, too. It'll smell good, too. It has Additionally, it will bloom, which most uh, mints, the flower is not very interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you go down to Mays and check, they have everything from kinds that absolutely carpet the ground and probably don't get over an inch high on up to some that will grow six or seven inches high. And they will be uh, more tolerant of foot traffic mm-hmm. than the mint or the uh, anything else I mentioned would be. Now, are those evergreen, Helen? Semi. Yeah. Uh, they, they Most of them keep some green through the winter. Um, you will occasionally, uh, probably in the early spring, want to go and uh, trim the bed back and uh, neaten it up a little bit. And it will grow all summer, and you'll get one flush and perhaps more of bloom. Uh, but it would make a nice ground cover, and I'm so glad you reminded me of yeah, that. Yeah, that is a good one. Yes. Well, thank you very much. Mm-hmm. 
Right. Do you have any other questions, Pat? No, that's it. Okay, Thanks well, thank lot. you for the suggestion. Bye. Yeah, that is a good one, and those are darling. I think the, yes. the leaves on that are so, they're just attractive. They're yeah, cute. we've got a, a half a dozen or so varieties at mm-hmm. home just planted on fl- between flagstones, and we walk on them all the time. Yes, that yep. is so pretty between the flagstones. Great suggestion. Well, we are at the halfway mark, and so I'm going to give the phone numbers one, one more time before we go to break to give folks a chance to gather their thoughts and call in during break, and then we'll come back with Helen May and answer more of your gardening questions. Again, our phone numbers here are 855-0811-877-285-9348 if you're out of the immediate calling area. And our email address is noon at indiana.edu. And we'll be right back with more Helen May and gardening. You're listening to Noon Edition on member-supported WFIU. Production support comes from Closets 2, providing organized and expanded closet and storage space for home office and garage, using a variety of systems with no major renovations. Closets 2 owned and operated in Bloomington, 332-2233. And from South Dunn Street Project, represented by Brian Lappin Real Estate, classic bungalow-inspired architecture in the Bryan Park neighborhood of Bloomington, www.southdunnstreet.info. Theaters in our area are busy. At the IU Theater in the Wells Mets, it's Big Love. At the Bloomington Playwrights Project, Empty Sky. The Great American Trailer Park Musical is at Indiana State University. And at the Indiana Repertory Theater, it's Bad Dates. More about all of these on our website, WFIU.org. And we're back. You're listening to Noon Edition on WFIU. I'm Mary Catherine Carmichael, and I'm thrilled to be here this afternoon with Helen May of May's Greenhouse. She has a wealth of information about all things gardening, and we would encourage you to call in and uh, pick her brain because she's uh, she's got the answers to your gardening questions in, in all likelihood. Let's go back. We, we talked a little bit before um, about compost. Um, to, let's talk about the application of, of compost. Many of us already have mulch on our established beds. Do we need to rake off that mulch and and work the compost in before we put another layer of mulch? Or what's the least amount of work we can get away with, Helen? Well, it depends somewhat on what's in the flower beds and how long it's been there. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's freshly planted and has been mulched since planting, the chances are the mulch itself has begun to add some compost some humus to the soil. Mm-hmm. If it's something that's been in a long time and it's badly overgrown and you need to transplant it, then by all means, you're going to have to rake the mulch away, dig it up, divide it, and when you replant, do work some additional compost in. If drainage is a problem, you could work some gypsum in at the same time. Don't use lime unless you use a test because uh, you can change the pH of the soil drastically, um, which you maybe don't want to do. Right, <laughs> right. That could spell disaster for some things. But the gypsum works like lime in that it makes for better drainage mm-hmm. uh, and supplies nutrients. So you can top dress with compost then under some circumstances. Yes, and anything that uh, you can uh, – don't have a heavy compost or mulch on mm-hmm. so that it has some hope of getting into the soil. Now, I have some beds that I mulch with cocoa shells, which you only put on about an inch deep. Mm-hmm. And that's a, a, a mulch like that. You can just kind of put some compost on and dig it in maybe top inch or so and uh, then just mulch on top of it. Uh, if you've got a heavy bark mulch that's three, four inches deep, you probably want to, if you're using the compost to improve the soil, you probably want to pull that back and uh, put on a layer of compost. Okay. That makes sense. Gives it a chance to get closer to where it needs to be. All right. Well, um, you're very popular. We have four callers holding. So let's go ahead and get started. And go ahead, Paul. Uh, Yes. um, I have about five raspberry bushes. Um, I planted, oh, you know, year year and a half ago, mm-hmm. and I they're they they're budding out now, and uh, they look like they're about two and a half feet tall. And uh, someone said um, to get raspberries, I would have to 
prune these back uh, quite a bit, so I'm just wasn't sure. They look great. <laughs> well, if they're only two and a half feet tall, I don't imagine you'll have to prune. Uh, are they red or black raspberries? They are red raspberries. All right. Do you know if they what the variety is, well, or if I'm, they are ever bearing or not? Uh, yeah, I'm out in the garden now, uh, and I put a trellis in last year, mm-hmm. and uh, I stuck the tag <laughs> on this trellis, and that's the reason I'm out here. I was trying to read it. <laughs> it's uh, it's kind of dim. It's um, I just think uh, the variety has, the winter pretty much wiped out the variety. I can't quite read it. You know, the winter wipes that sort of thing out of my brain, too, so I I understand your dilemma. Well, if it's an ever-bearing variety, Mm -hmm. like heritage, um, it will bear two crops, actually. Okay. The canes that grew last summer, not necessarily the canes you planted, but the new canes that grew from mm-hmm. the, those will bear if it's a, an ever bearer they will have some fruit late in the year okay september sometime along in there okay did you have any of that last year uh yes uh-huh. all right then you've got an ever bearing variety okay. uh, there are two ways to deal with those you can leave those canes tied up and they will rebloom this spring what you want to do is cut off the tips that that bore last year because they will bear on little side shoots this spring. Okay, okay. Uh, and then as soon as they bear this spring, you cut the old canes to the ground, and you should have some new canes coming up at the same time. Okay, great, because I just left the old canes. And... Well, you get those out because they're a source of disease. Okay. So as soon as you make that spring harvest, you cut those old canes out completely. Down to the ground? Or? Down to the ground. You should have some young ones coming up by then, and you train those in their place. Okay. And they will bear a crop on the tips again in the autumn, the early autumn, late summer. Uh-huh. Uh, and then again, you cut off the tips that bore, and uh, the old canes will bear again in the spring. And when they bear, you cut them off and replace with new canes. Now, some people who don't want to be fool, uh, to fool with this too much uh, will only harvest the fall crop. Mm. In other words, in the spring, they cut all the old growth to the ground. Okay. And just train up the young canes and uh, harvest those in the autumn. But they really miss the whole harvest that way. Well, yes, but the spring harvest usually isn't as big as the fall oh, harvest because it's, it's growing on that older wood and mm-hmm. on little side shoots. Um, but you can do it either way. Uh, it'll depend on whether you want to fuss with them or not in the spring. Okay. Um, but the, um, the canes usually need to, to, well, always, when they finish bearing, need to come out because they are a source of disease for okay. the new canes. Okay. Well, um, can mulched. Oh. Raspberries always do better under mulch than under cultivation, so keep well, them well mulched. Got, uh, they're well mulched, the, okay. this whole bed. And, mm-hmm. uh, so I think I'm just going to, these are covered with new growth, so I think I'll just uh, uh, trim the ends off, uh, you know, the points. Mm-hmm. And then just leave them alone, and then uh, when I get my uh, last crop in the fall, I'll trim it all the way back to the ground. Well, um, the canes that you have up right now should have borne last fall. And well, so yes, what they, they did. Uh-huh, they what did. they bear this spring will be the last they will bear. So as soon as you get this spring harvest off, you cut those to the ground. Oh, okay. And then you will have new ones coming up. This year, right? Uh, that you train up for a fall crop. Yes. Uh huh. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Make sure your pruners are sharp. It sounds like you got some work to do, Paul. Uh, yeah, I'll do it. Thank All you. right. Thanks for your call, Paul. Let's go right to Betty. Hi, Betty. Hello. Um, this is a timely uh, program because I have my. I had planted some facetias off of slips mm-hmm. that someone gave me, uh, not last year, but the year before. And, of course, they got very uh, wild. Mm-hmm. 
and long um, because I didn't know when to cut them back. When is the best time to cut back for Scythia and to make them, uh, I would like to have kind of a hedge. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, for Scythia and other shrubs that bloom very early like this, uh-huh. it should be pruned immediately after the bloom is faded. Uh, so when they're not pretty anymore, you trim them back to the height you want them. Okay. And um, it's also the time when they get older. If you need to cut old wood out clear to the ground, that would be the time to do that. All right. And the growth they make then this following summer will set buds and bloom next spring. Okay. So the idea, if you don't want them to get too high and unruly, you should cut them back. It doesn't hurt to cut them back to maybe 24 inches from the ground. No, it won't hurt them at all. Oh, great. All right. And if I do it taller, at least for this year, they would spread out? Well, if you want them to branch and fill out, uh-huh. uh, you should cut them back at least a little because that will encourage side branches to grow. Instead right. of making no longer tip growth, uh, you'll get side branches if you just Right, Trim right the tips now I have off. a lot of tip growth, mm-hmm. the long ones that are arching over. Uh-huh. Right. Well, when they quit blooming, so you don't lose your flowers, uh-huh. prune them back as far as you want. It won't hurt them. Okay. And it will not only make them branch, but also it will encourage more shoots to come up from the roots to thicken your bush. Okay. Right. Next yeah. spring, and then they'll bloom on new growth, and I bet they'll be beautiful next spring. Yeah. Right. Now, I have some little pockets of no growth, <laughs> something that died, you know, mm-hmm. when I stuck it. So this that I prune off, is this the time to put those in the ground? Well, it's not the ideal time. Um, how big are the gaps in your hedge? Uh, <clears throat> well, I have them pretty close at one spot, and then there's a gap of like maybe four feet. All right. If you want to... Uh, about June or July. June or July, okay. Uh, mid, mid to late June, let's say. Okay. On the, the ends of the new growth, when it's firm enough that if you try to break it, it will snap in two. Okay. That is, it's not squishy and green, and it's not hard and woody, but it will snap off. Uh-huh. You can take tip cuttings and pot them up, keep them in a cool place and keep them moist and most of them will form roots and you could plant them later in the summer and uh, fill up your bed that way tip cutting yes it's soft uh, soft summer well midsummer Mm -hmm. or early no really toward the end of june sometime in june Uh, you can test you can you can test the growth uh when when the growth back six eight inches from the tip will snap Instead of eight inches, yeah, it, it, it needs will snap. Yeah, it needs to be kind of firm, mm-hmm. but not hard and woody. Right, right. Then you just uh, take a piece uh, six, eight inches long off the tip, strip off the lower leaves, put it down uh, about halfway deep in potting soil, keep it moist and out of the strong wind and sun, mm-hmm. and most of them will root for you. And then by uh, early fall, late summer, you probably can plant them in, in the ground. In the ground. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, you know, these, I just stuck them in the ground. They didn't have, because the person said, just stick it in the ground, they'll just grow. <laughs> well, it depends a little bit on the time of year. Yeah, that, that was you do fall. Yeah. When uh-huh. you first started. If you want to try some, some of those harder cuttings uh, in the fall, uh, by all means, do it. You've well, got a lot. I don't think they were that hard. Uh-huh. You know, they weren't woody. Right. Well, then she's probably talking about the same kind of cuttings I'm talking about. Yeah, you can try it. About 12, at least yeah. 12 inches. Well, if your soil is good, just cut off. You would need bigger cuttings for that kind of propagation. So just cut off some chunks uh, and stick them right in there. Well, good luck with that. It's an easy plant. <laughs> thank you. Thank you very yeah, much. I think your hedge will be filled in in no time. 
All right, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and give the phone numbers again and the email one more time. We do have a couple callers and a couple of emails to get to, but we may have time for another. Uh, our phone number is 855-0811. Uh, we're talking about gardening, and our toll-free number is 877-285-9348. Our email address is noon at indiana.edu. And, Helen, our next caller is Gemma. Hi, Gemma. Hi there. I have a question, but I wanted to say that I have a different opinion about it being early spring, an early spring. Um, I've been here since 1968, and uh, I was interested in how late my bulbs were this year. Um, and I know we often have lost our magnolias to frost. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the, that, that's true. The... Um, I, you know, note our our outside seed planting time is not until Mother's Day. Right. And um, one of the interesting things, I actually work in the business, and, and one of the uh, interesting things is that I found that spring came precisely on the equinox. <laughs> so some of the things that I'm normally doing, you know, a month in advance were not having to be done. Uh, a lot of mulching was able to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, in this area, um, our foxgloves need planting in protected areas. I mean, I, I that's what I've been doing because otherwise I find that they're too tender. And um, mine did all right this year. Um, but what I found was really great is that we had such a long freeze. Um, I used to pray when I was a kid to get snow, and we'd, like, barely get snow on Christmas, you know. Mm-hmm. And then we'd maybe start our freeze in January, um, and we would never have, I remember, never having enough snow to have a sled. And then we finally did in, like, 1978 or something like that, you know, and all of us kids went out and played in the snow. So it was really great to have such a long freeze, and then I found that most of my fruit trees have come out marvelously this year and of course i'm hoping that there isn't a little freak freeze you know in april my question though was about quince and um i usually have to to do a lot of trimming on it throughout the year and i'm i've got one that um you know is blooming now and i'd like to and i cut it back pretty harshly and then it just grows like crazy is there is there a time when it's better to, to do the trimming, or, or is, it just doesn't matter? Can you do it? How late can you do the trimming and still get nice flowers the next year? Well, again, it's one of those spring flowers that normally should be pruned as soon as it finishes flowering, mm-hmm. if you can. Uh, I would hesitate to prune it much After past uh, the middle of May okay. or the end of May at the very latest, I would think. It and as for so much. yes, some of them get quite big, and um, the um, they're very vigorous and easy to grow, but they can get large, and they just need space. Now there are smaller varieties which mm-hmm. are available. Uh, if you would check uh, with the nurseryman or catalogs, I think you could find some smaller varieties. But if you've mm-hmm. already got the big ones, it's kind of hard to keep them too small. They just want mm-hmm. to grow if they're healthy. Yeah. Uh, okay. But after blooming is, you know, within a week or two after blooming finishes is the ideal time okay. to prune them. All right. Well, and they, uh, oh, as for the foxgloves, mine have been fine for several years, but I did lose yeah. them this year. Oh. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you All for right. your call, Gemma. You. Appreciate your comments. All right, we've got uh, several callers holding and a couple of emails, and we're going to try to get through them. So if everybody cooperates, we ought to get everybody's questions answered. Debbie, let's go ahead and get started with your question. Hello? Hi, go right ahead, Debbie. Oh, um, my question is about, uh, I was given some um, a plant from, I think, Poland, this lady said, and she calls them ladyfingers or something, and they kind of have a bloom that goes up and then bends over the top. Anyway, they're very intrusive. They've filled up an entire raised bed, and they're so hard, we can't even get them out. So I'm wondering about suggestions about what to do. We'd like to get them out of this bed, but we don't really want to use chemicals to kill them. Mm -hmm. 
Do you have any idea? Do you have any means of confining their spread so they can't go any farther, or uh, are they uh, getting away from you totally? Well, they're in a raised bed, so they're oh. in a confined space, but they're trying desperately to okay. get out of that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, probably what you should do is cut them back just as far as you can. Okay. Uh, put about... Uh, 10 or 12 layers of newspaper on top of them. Okay. Uh, if you can, uh, you're going to have to weight that down with something, okay. maybe some bricks or something to hold mm -hmm. it in place well. Hopefully, that will smother them out. Now, if it doesn't, you may have to go to some kind of a chemical but if if that smothers them out even partially, mm -hmm. it may be possible for you to dig them out then if a lot of the root growth is killed. Uh, a thick mat of newspapers will smother a surprising number of things, okay. but it will need to be thick for something like that. Okay. It sounds like it might be some kind of a lysomachia or uh, uh, something of that nature, and they are real spreaders. They... They have some kind of uh, like bulb almost in their root. Mm -hmm. I had some uh, sweet peas like that that I thought were mm -hmm. going to take over the universe. Yeah. I've got another question coming up, uh, an email coming up from a woman from South Bend whose dog is urinating in her yard, leaving uh, yellow burned spots. Maybe I should send the dog up to you to <laughs> take care of your raised bed. Hey, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I could hook you guys up. I think it could be uh, mutually beneficial. <laughs> Thank All right. you so much. Thank you for your call. Let's go ahead and get to this lady's email real quick. It says, do you have any remedies for how to prevent my dog's urine from ruining the yard? Wherever she urinates, she leaves a yellow burned spot in the grass. Will I have to dig up the dead grass and plant grass seeds to fill in my lawn? Thank you. Well, I'm not an expert on this subject. Uh, uh, my problem always was that it left really bright green spots in my lawn. <laughs> But um, chances are there's some – there may be some neutralizing chemical that you could use. I don't know. Uh, someone who really deals in lawns in a large way might be able to help you with that. Uh, uh, some uh, nursery company that is, puts in lawns mm -hmm. and, and maintains lawns and so forth. However, uh, nine chances out of ten, uh, it's a combination of uh, chemicals that are doing the killing. And your best quick solution would be to take a spade, cut the spot out, fill it in with good soil, seed it, and scatter a little handful of straw or something over it. Yeah, yeah. Um, if anyone knows of a solution for this, uh, we're great if they call us. Sure. Yeah. Uh -huh. Okay. Well, let's go to Elsbeth then. We've got Elsbeth, who's been holding for quite a while. Hi, Elsbeth. Thanks for holding. Go ahead. Hello there. Um, I just want to know uh, what kind of wood and when I should try to clone a very good-tasting mulberry, please. Ooh. Well, I'm not sure. I have no experience with mulberry trees, however... A great many things can be rooted at again at the uh, soft cutting stage when they're uh, just firmed up a little bit, and you take little tip cuttings off the uh, new growth, uh, and uh, you would root them like you would a coleus or a geranium or something. However, if you want to try hardwood cuttings. Uh, I believe you should take those probably in March, early, when it's uh, uh, when they aren't leafed out or active or the growth hasn't started yet, early March sometime. Bundle them up and be sure that you know which end is the top and which end is the bottom of the cuttings. You probably should take several. Bundle them up and put them in a container with some moist sand and probably the easiest place to put them would be your refrigerator. Uh, and then later in the spring, if you pull them out, you will see that they have started to form what's called a callus on the cut end. It looks like a kind of a lumpy, knotty growth. 
uh, where the old bark is, uh, where the bark and the wood come together on the bottoms. And at that stage, you could take them out and pot them up or set several into the ground uh, almost all the way down, you know, bury them so they're just a couple of buds or three out. Uh, and very often they'll take off and form roots from that callus then. Right. Okay, so how long am I leaving them in the fridge for? Probably from March till sometime in early May. Early March okay. to early May, say. You could take them earlier than that if you wanted, but I think that's long enough. Okay. Right. Now, there are some excellent books in the library on propagating hardwood Okay. Okay. Cuttings. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. Just uh, don't don't steam them and serve them at for Easter dinner. Yeah. <laughs> Keep them separate from the asparagus. That could be disastrous. I'm but. not an expert on hardwood cuttings, uh, but I believe that's how we uh, we did some several years ago. Okay. We yeah. are almost out of time. I'm going to let one more caller very quickly sneak in. David, you're our last caller, and I need you to be speedy. Okay. Go, go right ahead. Um, I have some hydrangea bushes, and I only seem to be able to get them to bloom about every other year. And I think maybe I'm I'm cutting them back at the wrong time. And I, when it seems like every other year when they bloom, they do well, but I can't get them to go every year. Can you tell me what I'm doing wrong? Do you or know? What I should do. Do you know the exact kind of hydrangeas you have? Um, there are several varieties. Well, they're not a no leaf. They're. Uh, they're are, not that variety. They're, are they colored? They're a very old variety. Do they have colored flowers or white ones? Um, I've been able to change the color to blue when I changed. All right. With, All right. But All normally right. they're white. Uh, if, if they'll change colors, it's possible that they will only bloom on last year's wood. So if they should freeze back or if you should cut them back in the spring... You will prevent them from blooming. Uh, if they are the kind that blooms on new wood, they need to be protected through the winter so they won't freeze back. Some people tie them up with string into a, a bundle mm-hmm. and then wrap them with burlap and stuff it with straw. Okay. You know what? I'm so sorry, Helen. I've got to interrupt you. We're right. absolutely out of time. David, I hope that gives you enough of an answer to get started. And um, Check uh, with your nurseryman. Yes. Good luck with that. And I just okay. want to thank you so much, Helen May, for being with us again this, this spring. We'll have you back again in the fall if you'll be kind enough to join us. I want to thank our uh, producer today, Catherine Hageman, and our engineer, Mike Pashkash. I'm Mary Catherine Carmichael for Bob Salzberg. You've been listening to Noon Edition, and we'll look forward to speaking with you again next week. Thanks for listening. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times.